Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the DGR Dialogue. I'm Claudia Tirico, editor of Demand Gen Report, and if you haven't heard, Digital Pie was recently acquired by the global agency network Dentsu Aegis. It will actually join forces with Merkle, which is a subsidiary of Dentsu Aegis focused on data-driven performance marketing. I'm going to take a back seat on this one today and hand the mic over to our editorial director, Andrew Gaffney. He sat down with Ryan Bong, president and CEO of Digital Pie, and Michael McLaren, global CEO of the B2B group at Merkle, to get the scoop on the recent merger of the two companies. So sit back, relax, and enjoy their conversation. Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gaffney. I'm editorial director with Demand Gen Report, and really glad to uh, join you today as part of the series. Um, we had some really interesting news at the end of January, uh, Digital Pie. Uh, an agency that a lot of folks in the demand gen community are very familiar with, um, was actually announced a merger with uh, Merkle, which is the performance marketing agency of Tensu Aegis Network. Really interesting, I think, uh, kind of a telling um, merger in terms of where we're at in the, the overall marketing technology performance marketing space. So really excited today to uh, be joined by Ryan Vaughn, who's the president and CEO at Digital Pie, as well as Michael McLaren, who's the global CEO of the B2B group at Merkle, uh, to talk about the merger and talk about sort of what it means from a, a trend standpoint within the industry. So Ryan and Michael, thanks you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. So I want to jump right in, and Michael, let me start with you, if you don't mind. Um, I think, as I mentioned, Digital Pie is a really strong presence in the B2B space and performance marketing. So I think a lot of our listeners are maybe familiar with them, but may not be as familiar with Merkle. Can you start by giving us a little bit of an update on, on Merkle and, and sort at the same time why the, the marriage with Digital Pie made sense? Absolutely. Um, so Merkle is a people-based marketing agency. We've sort of uh, put a lot of effort over the last 20 years to build a wide range of people-based marketing capabilities. And our goal is to be the leader in data-driven, tech-enabled, people-based customer experience solutions. Um, so as we were building out a more comprehensive B2B solution, we looked at the type of capabilities that would be required to deliver um, those people-based customer experiences, the world-class people-based customer experiences, and the importance of the technology ecosystem that modern day clients are leveraging to deliver those. Um, so, you know, the marketing automation space is a very important component of B2B marketing and Digital Pie, uh, you know, industry leader at that marketing automation implementation and, you know, sort of extracting value from those marketing automation investments. So. It was a logical fit. Um, it was also a terrific uh, cultural fit. I think that as we got to know each other, we felt very strongly that we were very aligned in how we saw the industry and what are the types of uh, capabilities that we're going to win in the future. You know, we're optimistic that this is going to be a very successful marriage. Great. And then Ryan, from your perspective, uh, Digital Pie has been growing, building up its thought leadership presence. You know, why did the marriage make sense from you? Um, talk a little bit about you know, maybe why the timing made sense. And also be interested, um, um, Michael talked about the cultural fit. If you could talk about sort of how you see the cultural pieces fitting. Definitely. There were definitely a lot of dimensions that, that really all came together. I think from, from, from my perspective on the macro level, uh, when Adobe acquired Marketo, 
um, you know, that was a that was a big eye opener for, for the industry as a whole. And I think that, you know, one of the things that it really meant to us was, you know, the, the customers are demanding more, right? They're demanding not just the, the, the type of services we do, but they're looking at, you know, fully embracing, you know, how do we provide digital experiences to their clients and how do we sell to them? How do we really, you know, extract more value out of everything we do? So from that macro level, when that happened, we had to, we had to assess like, you know, where are we in, in all of this, right? Um, and some of the things that, you know, our clients started to tell us was, we need more from you, right? And, you know, as an agency, a, a smaller agency, we have grown to meet those needs, but over time it becomes more and more complex. It, it requires, you know, what I, I say, a bigger vehicle to, to, to be part of. Um, and so, you know, when, when we met with Merkel and the Merkel team, um, it was just a natural fit, the way that they saw the market, the way that they wanted to, you know, really attack it and really serve the customer. It spoke to the, the needs that we had at a, as a smaller agency. Um, and so that, that, that led to, you know, quite a few conversations. Um, and I think one of the, the, the key things that really worked for me was the understanding of the culture. I think that, you know, when, when we started to speak to more folks at Merkle, it was as if we were speaking to folks on our team, um, shared values, you know, shared vision of what it means to be successful. And all these things kind of came together in, in a series of conversations over a series of, you know, over the course of, of, of some time. Um, at some point, it was, it was kind of obvious. It was like, this is the perfect time because if we really want to go out there and really serve the customer, attack this market and be the leader, we have to attach to this big, bigger vehicle and we have to find one that actually allows us to to continue to grow and actually empower that growth. So that all just kind of all came together and it was just, you know, it's, it's been, you know, new um, in terms of, you know, how long it's, it's, it's taken, you know, from this acquisition is just new, but we're already seeing some really good, you know, collaborative synergies happening from it. So, Ryan, let me ask you to expand on, you said customers are asking for more. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and then I'd like to get Michael's perspective on that. What, what are some of the additional services, capabilities that, that customers are asking for, and, and how do you see that coming to uh, coming to fruition through the, the merger? Sure, sure. I, it, you know, most of our conversations have always been around, you know, the demand framework, the lead management process, and then the, you know, and then through to CRM, right? We're talking about attribution. Um, the greater conversations around there, you know, typically would happen even on the front end of the side. So, you know, I'm doing all this marketing, which includes a lot of, you know, ad tech buys, which includes a lot of content, which includes a lot of branding, which includes a lot of, you know, just various types that are all around what you do in marketing. It's a, it's a comprehensive, you know, function. Can you guys help us with this? Do you know someone that can help us with this? Right. And we had to say no to a lot of that. Um, and when it comes down to the CRM side, you, know, you think about the rise of the CDPs and what it means. And when they're talking about data, when they're talking about, you know, privacy, security and how how do we really organize it to serve this information to the automation platform to make it better, to personalize those experiences, to be able for you to orchestrate that. Right. Those are very deep, you know, lengthy conversations that we didn't have the depth for. 
right? We were very much focused on this, this middleware connection for activating and making that happen. But all of the peripheral information is very important to this as well. So, you know, when our clients start to really reach out and talk to us about these things, you know, it started to come up with, you know, these are areas that we, we cannot take on ourselves. It takes experience. It takes a lot of knowledge. And we can't grow to that fast enough to answer the yes. Well, Michael, I'm, assu- I'm assuming uh, from Merkel's standpoint, you guys are working with, I'm assuming, larger enterprise clients. Were their needs different? Was it also that their needs were, were changing and evolving? Yeah, I mean, we have clients that are, you know, enterprise scale and mid-market clients. So um, we're not solely in the domain of the the larger enterprises. But, you know, I, th- I, I kind of feel like B2B marketing is moving past an environment of point solutions, independent point solutions that you're sort of putting in to solve a particular part of the, you know, engagement platform. I think that clients are increasingly trying to think through the integration of different elements, how data is informing the, you know, the the next interaction, how technology is enabling it, how content comes together um, and, you know, sort of makes that connection. So. You know, I think B2B marketers today are wrestling with the complexity of integration. Um, and, you know, we see that as a, as a competitive advantage. That's an area of strength of Merkle. Uh, I would also, you know, mention the, what, what Ryan mentioned, which is, you know, you're seeing pretty significant consolidation in the MarTech space. Uh, we just saw this week the Evergage acquisition by Salesforce, um, you know, the Adobe acquisition of Marketo Magento, um, and, you know, what the clouds are doing is they're building this sort of full end-to-end, um, you know, stack from the demand, uh, the acquisition and the demand generation side, and also, frankly, the activation in the media environments as well. So they're increasingly managing that complex environment and helping clients extract value from it is is a, is a place that we feel Merkel is well-poised to um, answer that need. And, you know, where Digital Pie fits in is, is, is that expertise um, in understanding how we can extract value from these platforms and how we can help clients, you know, get more from their investments. So, Michael, you answered it, I think, in part, but, but as there is further acquisition in, in the MarTech space, do you expect it to be mirrored on the services side? Do you expect further consolidation among services companies, agencies, consultants? I mean, I, I think that acquisition is always a pretty frothy part of our business. Um, so, and usually, you know, Merkel's very um, strategic about our acquisition strategy. We acquire for capability or for scale or for geographic expansion. It's a very specific um, approach and I'm sure every company goes through um, a similar kind of um, rigorous evaluation. But yes, I think you're going to see more consolidation in services as companies are trying to pull together. I mean, it's you, you can't just say that you know how to do it. You have to actually know how to do it. Um, you actually have to know <laughs> how to make Marketo sing. And if you don't have that capability, um, you know, you're not going to get that business. So I think that, you know, where we're, um, where we're going to continue to expand is in those white space areas, and I expect some of our competitors will do the same. Great. I, I'd be curious, let me start with you, Ryan, but, um, you know, we have a strong opinion. We, we host the B2B Marketing Exchange. We feel 
uh, very strongly that there is a, a distinct sort of role and discipline around B2B. Um, you guys both live and breathe it, work with clients. As Marketo, um, you know, becomes part of Adobe, as, as you know, the clouds build out, there's a little bit more of sort of, I think, gray area between the B2B and B2C space. You know, different organizations come together. I'm curious of your perspective on where you see similarities uh, among B2B and B2C clients and where you think it's really important to, to have a distinction. Ryan, let me start with you. I think that, you know, where there are similarities between the two is always going to be the fact that we're, we're doing marketing for humans, right? I mean, that's similar in terms of just what we're doing, the things that they, you know, that they, they're experiencing out in the consumer world is what they kind of expect from the business world. I mean, that trend has been going on for, for quite some time, right? Um, so in terms of, of just marketing, how to, how to take some of those concepts and apply it, you know, to an, a, a, a B2B org, Right, where you actually have a very different structure. You know, the decision making isn't the individual. The decision making is now a collaborative nature within an organization with different viewpoints and a budget. Right, and so structurally it's different, but the experiences that they're all expecting is probably the same. So, you know, in in terms of just you know similarities, it's really about the people. Um, I think that's why I really think this you know Merkel and its message and the way they're they're going to attack this is, is really core to that. It's about answering to the people. Um, and then the, the, the business and the process side, those are all the things that on the B2B side are things that we're, that we're talking about, right, in the B2B space, right? Structurally, how do we get to the buyers, the people involved, and all of those things? And how do we, you know, organize our thought processes around, like, what, what do we get out of, you know, for our money and all of those, you know, concepts, right? They still are applicable. Great. Michael, can you build on, on that people part and any other thoughts you have about sort of uh, the creative aspects of B2B or any of the distinctions? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, a couple of things. B2B has some unique characteristics that are very important to keep in mind. There, you know, there's typically a decision-making unit. There's multiple people involved in the in the decision. It's typically a longer purchase process. So there's a there's more requirement on the digital ecosystem to provide the right content at the right time in the right place. Um, and, and very often they're, they're big bets. These are big decisions being made by organizations and there's a lot at stake. So they can be, you know, quite emotional. I 100% echo Ryan's comments that at the end of the day, human beings are making these decisions. Um, and we need to understand how to talk to them as people but also professionals within their role and, and within their uh, you know, professional cohort. I think that B2B, great B2B marketing requires some real sophistication to be able to navigate that, you know, that journey from the early stage evaluation through the, you know, the recommendation and the purchase and the subsequent post purchase phase. And the companies that do it really well are the ones who are recognizing the the role of the individual in that in that journey and how the they're trying to serve them what they need at that point in time in the most valuable and kind of frictionless way possible to move them along in that journey and to give them the kind of content or offer or experience that is required to continue to build that engagement so you know back to the point I made earlier, you know, Merkel has built its business on a people-based philosophy where we want to try to understand the individual and take advantage of 
the data and technology um, at our disposal to be able to serve the right content to that right person at the right point in time. And increasingly that capability is going to be more and more available to B2B marketers. I'm curious, Michael, um, I've been really impressed with the uh, content marketing thought leadership that Digital Pie has been doing over the past year or, or so. Mm-hmm. Um, did that catch your attention? Can you share it all? How you, uh, you know, sort of what, what's the, the marketing messaging strategy going forward with the two brands? I think that we're, we're very like, so Ryan is very active um, in the industry and had, you know, he, he came across our radar before we even started any conversations. Uh, I think that, that Digital Pie has some unique characteristics that they offer clients and prospects that has been you know, a big testament to the, the reason for their success. Uh, you know, Merkel is also very proactive in, in propagating thought leadership and putting points of view out into the marketplace. So, you know, the fact that there's a, a perspective being projected and the confidence of being able to back up your point of view, that's another element of those cultural alignments that you look for. Um, you know, we're going to keep encouraging Ryan and the team and Jeff and the team to, you know, keep putting that point of view out there and increasingly we'll be adding to it points of view about the broader Adobe ecosystem or the broader Salesforce ecosystem so that it can be complementary as well. I'm curious, in, in some acquisitions you see, you know, a company immediately get sort of fully integrated. Other times they, they kind of keep their own personality. Um, any sense you can share of, of how you see that unfolding with Digital Pie? Yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a pretty uh, disciplined process for acquisitions and there's a time frame that we have where, you know, the first rule is do no harm. I mean, I, I, I kind of get shocked sometimes when I see you know, that instant integration, I'm like, how does that work? How can that possibly work? So we allow a period of time to get to know each other. You know, clearly the technology integration in our world is very important. Uh, you know, getting the right tools in place so that we're speaking a common language, ex- uh, giving exposure to the other capabilities that exist in the organization, building the human connections across the, particularly on the technology side, but also frankly on the data um, and the business side so that we can get to know each other's um, client engagement models and you know technology development roadmaps and then slowly but surely sort of moving to a position where you know it's almost like the left and the right hand are totally in the same glove and you know as I say we we have a, a considered time frame for that and uh, you know we'll over the course of the next two year three years you'll see how that integration takes place but you know, our goal is to keep Ryan and his team, you know, doing what they do best and, and then provide the assistance to them to be as successful as they possibly can. Ryan, you seem pretty comfortable with the, the culture being a good fit, but but how do you keep the, the culture you built, you know, a 50-person company within a company that I, I think I heard is around 9,000, so the scale is a bit different, but do you feel confident you can you can keep that kind of culture in place? I think what 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 is very important was that the you know in considering this acquisition the culture was already aligned right some of the the philosophies that that michael's you know talking about were things that they lived um you know and 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 honestly we we followed and 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 talked to some other folks that have been you know part of the merkel family a little bit further down the line than we have um and their feedback was you know quite positive um in the approach and so, you know, everything's validated from my perspective. And 
that's why I, I don't I don't think that there's a big challenge in that it already works now and it, and, and as a nine thousand person company they have the same culture um, it's just in a different scale and there's more structure on how to how to, how to do certain things that we you know that we as a small you know fifty person company you know do differently right because just you know size. Um, but I think, you know, we still plan to keep everything that we're doing now, um, our points of view, the, the fun things and activities that we do, um, all of these things, they're not, none of that's going away. Um, and so it's just, it's just added. All right. Now we have some, some, a bigger family, I guess, that, that could come to these, uh, these parties that we have and things. Right. So I, I, I think that uh, as long as I keep, you know, the core of what makes us unique, unique and special, um, you know, I think we'll be fine continually growing this company. Right. I think at the uh, at the core, we're both performance cultures. We both like to do good work and, and drive great results for clients. It's not a, you know, sort of hubris culture. It's more of a performance culture. And I think there's that connection that's really important. I think, you know, there's that old expression, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that connection is very important, and I think we have I think we have alignment, um, and we spent a fair bit of time in the due diligence phase, really, kind of kicking each other's tires to make sure that is the case. Great. Let me let me wrap up with um, you know we talked about you know the needs of clients have, have kind of driven this this merger, um, and you, you guys both talked a bit about what you see out there. But I, I'm curious, we're still relatively new in, in 2020 here. What do you see as some of the the most interesting kind of new trends, either? Technology-based, or just in terms of the, the the types of B2B marketing you're seeing clients do. Any any interesting trends that you would highlight, Ryan? Let me start with you. I think that uh, you know th- this is a trend that's going to continue. Um, if you if you think about Scott Breaker's you know Martech chart, those numbers are not going down, right? Where we at seven thousand Martech tools out there, um, and I don't know where we're going to end up. You know, at the end of the end of this year, right? When we look back. Um, that environment and all of those things, they're going to continue to grow. So, you know, as a, as a marketing person sitting in an organization that's responsible for all that, um, who do you turn to for that? Right. And how do, how do I assess, how do I rationalize all the decisions across all these tools and all these different, you know, things and techniques and processes and thought leadership out there? Um, you know, and, and, and so in, in terms of just, you know, trends, that's going to continue to grow. I think that this is why this is so important for us because, you know, just speaking to our clients, right, they, they you know, they, they struggle with this and they want us to be helping with this. And now we have a much better, you know, depth of expertise to actually pull from to be able to help our clients with this. Great. Anything else you'd add on that front, Michael? Yes, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things. I, I, the first thing you have to recognize is that the, the customer is changing. You know, their expectations are changing. Frankly, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence now coming through that the millennial audience is becoming the largest cohort within the senior buying audience in most B2B organizations. So millennials are digital natives. You know, they are they are informed by their life as consumers and they expect fantastic customer experiences. So I think there's going to be a higher premium on world-class customer experiences and that those things are connected so that the next interaction has been informed by the previous one. That's a big challenge for most marketers. 
I think that marketers are going to continue to wrestle with the need to uh, both build first-party data and then leverage insights from that data as, you know, the third-party data world is going to come under more pressure from, you know, regulation and also from uh, just the ability to get access to it, you know, with the with the challenges going on with the cookies. And then this idea of personalization and more relevant content is a challenge writ large across the whole industry. It's It's how do you create personalized content at scale um, for buyers from around the world or around the country um, at different phases of the of the journey and how do you use technology to help you do that so I think that you know marketers have got a lot on their plate it's it's kind of a, it's an incredible phase of where we're at because the technology the data um, and the content all coming together with the types of tools that are available allows clients who I think are really ambitious to take a big leap forward ahead of their competition. So our goal is to help them get there. Awesome. This has been great. I'm really excited to see uh, you know, the, the, what the marriage between the two companies bring together. Appreciate you both sharing uh, the perspective with us. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us on, Andrew. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Have a great day. And that's a wrap on today's episode. It was really great hearing from these marketing powerhouses on how this merger will affect the B2B world in the coming months. And frankly, I'm excited to see what's in store. To make sure you don't miss out on any past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe to DGRI Dialogue on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to continue the convo, don't hesitate to hit us up on Twitter. We're at DG underscore report. Thanks again for listening in, everyone. I'll catch you on the next episode.